Hey everybody, TLC back again for another fun rant. Today we have a very simple concept that people have decided to overcomplicate way too much. What I'm referring to, of course, is the Second Amendment. Now, to be fair, I also used to be a Second Amendment hater, but I changed my mind about gun rights after really looking at all the facts. So I'm just going to take some time to run through the stuff that changed my mind about the Second Amendment. Let's get right into it. First off, the media likes their mass hysteria, especially when it comes to guns. They always use the term gun violence. Now, you would assume gun violence refers to gun homicides only, because it's like someone committing a violent act with a gun. So, school shootings, mass shootings, just going and shooting somebody in the street. That's also what I assumed. We would actually both be wrong. Gun violence is a blanket term used to describe any death that was caused by a person shooting someone else with a gun, including themselves. In fact, suicide makes up for 54% of gun deaths in the U.S., while actual murder that happened to use a gun only accounts for 43%. The other 3% are unidentified cases or cases of police killing another person with a gun. The amount of people killed in school shootings last year was about 10. Though, of course, any amount of children dead is too many. These statistics come from the CDC. So, for the 45,222 people who died from gun violence in 2020, only about 19,500 actually died from gun homicide. The rest were suicide victims. Now, you may say, but TLC, nearly 20,000 people dead is still horrible. We should still ban guns. And I would agree that even one dead person is too many, as I said before. But that isn't a solid reason to ban all guns. Just think about it this way. Also, according to the CDC, nearly 41,000 people died in 2020 from car crashes. That is over twice as many people dead. Twice as many people killed by car crashes than guns. Is everybody going to start banning cars? No. And nowhere in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights does it say anything about citizens having the right to own a car. If we won't sacrifice the comfort of cars to save lives, then why should we have to sacrifice the sacred rights secured for us in the Bill of Rights? Now... If it was actually going to save lives, if any of these common sense gun reform laws actually worked or made any logical sense whatsoever, then maybe I wouldn't be so against it. But the issue here is that politicians, as always, are lying and they tell people, oh, we have to get rid of guns, guns are bad. Guns are killing people. If we put past this law, people won't die from guns. If we put past this law, people won't die from guns. That's just the, the laws are all dumb. All these common sense gun reform laws are dumb. They're stupid. They don't work. They don't do anything helpful for anybody except criminals. What is the point of making the process for buying a gun more complicated for law-abiding citizens? It's already a complicated process. The background checks are relatively thorough and catch people who have committed crimes so that someone who has a record will not get a gun. 
you might say, but TLC, that'll make it harder for criminals too. It, it, unfortunately, it won't. I would love it if it was more difficult for criminals to get guns. But no law is going to make it harder for them to get guns. Because guess what? Criminals don't follow the law. Like, it, it's that simple. Criminals already use illegal means most of the time to obtain their guns, like the black market, or they'll use illegal gun attachments that allow them to cause a lot more harm with a gun than they would if it was just a normal handgun. Making the laws harsher and making the whole process more difficult will only harm good citizens that follow the laws and make it easier for the criminals that we're supposed to be protecting against to terrorize them. Yes, it actually helps criminals to have a public that's disarmed. One of my classmates in middle school put this in the easiest way to understand. She said, if you were a bank robber, would you rather rob a bank where nobody is armed or one where everybody has a gun? Obviously the first option because you don't want to get shot. Why do you think crime rates are so low in those rural Booneyville areas that everyone seems to hate on, while in the great big cities like Chicago and New York, the crime rates are skyrocketing? Well, maybe it's because in Booneyville, everybody's got a gun. So if you mess with somebody, you're gonna get shot. In Chicago and New York, only the criminals have guns, because they bought them illegally. And all the normal people don't. So, yeah, they just kind of get walked all over. Same with LA, and pretty much all of California, which is currently burning. The entire reason the Second Amendment exists is for self-defense. Self-defense against criminals, and... The part that nobody wants to mention. Defense against a tyrannical government. That's why the word militia is specifically used inside the verbiage of the amendment. Let me read it to you. Listen to the keyboard ASMR. Oh, wait, no. Okay, here we go. The Second Amendment, according to the literal constitution of the United States, is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Huh, I wonder what they say is, what does the Second Amendment mean in simple terms? The Second Amendment provides a visual right to press a firearm unconnected with service in the militia and to use the arm traditionally lawful purposes such as self-defense within the home. Oh, oh yeah, that's from the NRA. Makes sense. Anyway, a little bit of historical context that I feel needs to be provided here is... The whole militia part. Because everybody's like, oh, it, it says militia. That, that that means you're supposed to be part of the army. Only the army's supposed to have a gun. And I also originally thought this. However, when I actually learned, like, about U.S. history by myself before taking the class, no diss to my U.S. history teachers, they're great, but, or teacher, because I was the same one for two years, in high school at least, but I did self-learn, most self-study a lot of it. And what you come to the conclusion of is that a militia, as is literally defined, is not the army. It is a group of people, normal citizens, who fight an opposing armed force. So you don't sign up to be in the militia per se. You're just called and anyone who wants to go fight goes. 
that was how it worked in the early revolution days. They just got together a group of people and were like, yo, you want to fight the British? And they were like, okay, cool. And they went and just shot at the British until they died. Which is how, so that's how a militia works. I mean, that, that's it. And all the thing it talks about in the militia here is it's saying because a well-regulated militia is necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's why it's written like that. It's just written in the old-timey, complicated way with the, like, the thou, though, and whatever. So, nowadays, people are confused by it. Damn you, Thomas Jefferson. Anyway, that's the gist of it. Militia does not refer to the army, nor does it refer to firefighters, as I've heard before. I've actually heard that argument. I never, at any point, agreed with that, because it makes no sense. Why would firefighters need a gun? But I mean, I have, I don't know, people People are dumb these days. I've heard that militia is firefighters. I mean, I kind of, like, maybe, I mean, volunteer firefighters are, like, kind of a militia, but, but it's not that, this has nothing to do with firefighters. Like, it, it, it's, it's not that. So if you think that, please stop, please stop thinking that, that's very wrong. Please, please stop. Anyway, big takeaway here. You have the right to own a gun, and the government does not have the right to stop you from owning a gun. The government cannot infringe upon or, like, mess with your right to own a gun. And that's in the, in the Constitution. That's literally the founding document of our nation. And then you're going to be like, oh, well, the Constitution's living document. You know, you can't, it, 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 it can change. Well, yeah, but the Bill of Rights was specifically created because the, I mean, the Democratic Republicans at the time, which was uh, one party, they were afraid that a large central government would infringe upon the rights of the people, so these first ten amendments really shouldn't be changed because they were made specifically to prevent the government from infringing on the people. Like, these are very, very, very important. The most important amendments. Of course, the 13th, 14th, 15th are up there. All very important. Those ended slavery. They opened up the doors for more equality, civil rights. There are a lot of good amendments. Anyway, point is, first 10, don't mess with them. The next part of this, another one of my friends pointed this out to me, is that taking away guns... And I know every politician's like, we're not going to take away your guns. We won't be taking them away. Don't worry. But, like, you know, we have to admit that they are trying to at least limit the rights of the people to own guns. Or at least the kinds of guns we can own and these kinds of things. And where do you think that's going to lead? Eventually, it's going to lead to Canada-type th bans where it's like, yeah, no more guns, guys. Have fun with that. It's... What my friend said is that this is a lot like Prohibition. Or at least it will end a lot like Prohibition. So for those of you who don't know, there was a point in our history, we have, uh, as a country, so just for a second here. Okay, let's see, for a second. As a, as a country, we have had a lot of dark times. We've had you know, slavery, Pearl Harbor, uh, the Chinese exclusion, Japanese internment camps 
probably one of the one of the darkest times our country overall was at one point there was an official government ban to all alcohol. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can keep this. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm not actually comparing that to the prohibition to like uh, slavery or Japanese internment. That was that was mean, but I'm not gonna. Th- those were much worse than prohibition. Alcohol is bad for you. Don't drink, kids. Anyway, prohibition was at one point it was illegal in the U.S. to sell, consume, or make alcohol. Of any kind. Not like rubbing alcohol, like drinking alcohol. Beer, vodka, wine, you name it. And this was a constitutional amendment. So the highest level of law in our country. Let me just find the exact times when this came in. Prohibition. 1920, the 18th Amendment. There we go. And the gist of prohibition was that... It was started by a women's movement, a temperance movement, and it was it had really good intentions. Basically, the idea was at this time a lot of men, especially you know normal working class men, when they had a pretty rough life, so they would go home. But before going home, after work, they before going home they would go to bars. They would drink, kind of insane amounts, like especially for nowadays. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to a bar before. Well, yeah, I've never been to a bar before, so I wouldn't really know how much people drink nowadays, but it was all I know is that back then it was a lot, and they would come home, and they would do terrible things to their wives, terrible things to their children. They would be all drunk and messed up, so the women were like, you know what? End to this. We're going to try to get people to stop drinking as much. So that was the temperance movement, which is basically like, hey guys, we should drink less, we're not going to take away your drinks. We're not going to say no drinking ever, but we should just cut it down a little bit. It's not the pattern forming here. Anyway, eventually it got to prohibition. The temperance movement turned into a movement to not just lower the amount of alcohol that people drank, but to ban it altogether. So once drinks were banned, you'd think, wow, I mean, that must have been a great time. You know, people must have, nobody drank anymore, and everybody was healthy, no more drunkenness in the streets, no more drunkenness at home, harming your families, no more illegal moonshining, which is the, I mean, that's the illegal making of, illegal uh, production of alcohol, illegal illegal making of alcohol, like illegally brewing alcohol. Uh, That's also what I thought. I was like, why? This is a great idea. We should just ban it again. It didn't work. The reason was not only because it was incredibly unpopular to ban alcohol, especially among men, but the reason that it failed most is because people did not listen to the law. And the same people who were going to break the law broke it. See what I mean? Instead of crime rates going down, when it came to alcohol, crime rates actually went up. On top of this, like even besides now it's illegal to drink, 
But I mean, when I'm referring to crime rates, I mean moonshining, all of the production and sale of alcohol. That was all on the black market. And the worst part was that the mafia increased exponentially within their wealth, power, and influence during this time. And it was because, largely because, at least, of Prohibition. The Mafia did enjoy dabbling in some black market whiskey sales. You see, this is the issue. If we do that with guns, if we ban them, or if we start to take away from them, the same thing is going to happen. They're just gonna break the law. Like, the same people who were going to get guns legally will still just get guns legally. And the people who need a gun for self-defense aren't going to be able to get one. Just like the farmers with prohibition. The same ones who needed alcohol for their crops, because that was a weird thing back then, where they would, like, they had this thing where they would put grain in whiskey so that it wouldn't get, um, how do you say it? It wouldn't spoil when it went on a long trip. Obviously, they don't need that anymore. But the people who needed it can't get it. So that screws them over. And the people who were going to get it illegally just get it illegally anyway because they were going to in the first place. It wasn't until 13 years later when President Roosevelt passed the 21st Amendment, which repealed the 18th, thereby ending prohibition. So all this madness and craziness, a 13-year-old near-long period of madness, over booze, they, they banned booze, you can't drink anymore, what's gonna happen with guns? Like, at least booze can only hurt yourself, I mean, that's I'm sure, I mean, if you're drunk, you can hurt people, so I guess inadvertently you can hurt other people. But guns can hurt people a lot more than, or not guns, but people with guns, can hurt other people a lot more than a guy with a bottle can. And he can hurt a lot more people, too. So as you can see, looking at this with a little bit of a historical context, this is not common sense whatsoever. And it will especially hurt the minorities, because those are the people nowadays in the inner city areas where a lot of the crime is. Because not to be mean, but like most of the crime is in Chicago. It's not going to be in, like, some random country town in Texas. Most of the crime is in those inner-city areas. A lot of people who live in those inner-city areas are minorities. So for all of the talk about let's help the minorities, they're actually hurting the minorities. I feel like this pattern just keeps continuing of, like, yeah, let's help the minorities, help the minorities. Yeah, we're just hurting the minorities. This is why this is why I started this because everyone's like, oh yeah, like all the, all the Latino people, all the black people, they should all be Democrats because Democrats are helping you. The like the Republicans are all against and conservatives are all against you. They only like white people. That's not true. Conservative policies help us a lot more than liberal policies do. Anyway, back to the guns. The last part of my argument is the simplest. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Human beings have been warring and killing each other ever since Cain killed Abel. Ever since that day. Ever since he decided to throw a rock on his brother's head. Ever since then, people have been killing each other. You know what? I kind of want to find 
it's 10 o'clock at night, so I'm curious about everything now. I kind of want to find the first recorded murder. That sounds weird, but, like, just, just to see how early that was. World's oldest, oldest murder mystery was 430,000 years in the making. Oh. Oh, oh. It was just... It was just Cain and Abel? Huh. Also, people say that... Oh, the first murder trial... Oh, yeah, Levi Weeks. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, Levi Weeks. Levi Weeks. I knew that. That was the first um, American... That was the first U.S. murder trial. But the world's oldest murder mystery is 430,000 years. Yeah, isn't that just Cain and Abel smash the victim by the head? Yeah, basically, the point is that here we have situations long, long, long ago... And that's just a random situation. Like, that's a bad example. But we know for a fact that Native American tribes, Middle Eastern tribes, all kinds of other people had been warring and killing each other for centuries, even before the Chinese invented guns, and even before the Chinese sent those guns to everybody else. The French and the English fighting each other and all their stupid wars that tortured me during AP World History, the French and English hated each other. They hated their guts for like 500 years. More than that, even. Anyway, again, I'm ranting. Point here is that conquest, conquest and genocide were much more common, actually, before guns were invented than after. But they, all of this madness, all of the fighting and attacking and killing has always been happening and will always happen. Even if some magical magnet went up into space and swiped every gun out of it, out of people's hands and into the sky and then blew them all up in blaze of glory and then nobody ever made a gun again, it wouldn't stop people from killing each other. So, if this constant will always exist, that people will always be fighting, people will always be killing, there will always be a murderer then people should have the right to defend themselves and the means to do so. And, because the government is not trustworthy, and I'm sorry if I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but, like, everyone knows all politicians are liars. That's a given. So, why should we trust liars? Just because they have a lot of money and we happen to vote for them? Doesn't mean we have to trust them on every single issue. Especially if you didn't vote for them, you definitely don't want to trust them. So in the case that the government becomes tyrannical, as we've seen some governments do, and our government may be inching closer with some of the things happening, like all the school board meetings that happen to get FBI'd, all of the you know people who are out praying outside abortion clinics suddenly getting arrested, all of that stuff. It's kind of suspicious, but we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, in the case that our government does become tyrannical, we have to defend ourselves against that tyrannical government. So that means that people should be allowed to have those scary assault weapons, because the point is that we need to defend ourselves if something happens. If someone comes in with an assault weapon, we should have the same caliber of weapon to defend against them. If the government decides to do something sus, we should have the same, the highest power weapon available to defend ourselves. I'm not saying like a bazooka or like a tank. 
I mean, that would be nice. But, like, we still need to defend ourselves if something was to happen. So why not have the best tool available to defend yourself with? Defend your family with? Everybody always go back, goes back to hunting. It's like nobody... No, we're, it's not always about hunting. We're all. It's also a self-defense thing. Nobody is going to break into your house if you. they know you have an AR-15 in there. Like, they have to be pretty stupid or pretty desperate. Since the media loves to bring up school shootings, why don't we arm teachers? It makes perfect sense. It even made sense to me... As when, like, when before, when I was kind of against the Second Amendment, I was like, you know what, if people aren't going to take, get rid of their guns, then we should just give teachers guns. Not everybody is lucky enough to have police presence near around their school. A lot of people have schools where the police office is pretty far away, and if something was to happen, they couldn't get there in time. Or we have cases like the te those Texas police, jerks, where they stood outside and waited for the shooter to kill a bunch of people before coming out. I just finished doing my masculinity video. That was the what not to do example that they gave right there. But the teachers who got in the way of the shooter and died to protect their students are the what to do example. Not saying that you should die, but I'm just saying like you should do your best to defend those that you care about, even if that does mean dying. Anyway, my masculinity video was next time. You can always build back on that later. The point here is... If those teachers had a gun, or if someone in the school was armed with some kind of weapon, I mean, not like a knife, but like like a gun, some kind of gun, maybe those people would still be alive today. Maybe not so many people would have died or gotten injured. Like, these are the things we need to be talking about. Not just take away all guns, or, yeah, sorry, you don't have powerful guns. Because you could still kill people with, like, a normal gun. And then, either way, you can't take away our guns. You can't do anything about guns. Because in the Constitution, it says, shall not be infringed. So the government can't touch it. It's like the floor is lava, but with our gun rights. The government cannot do anything about our gun rights. Besides background checks, which is fair. I don't think the Founding Fathers would have been opposed to those. But you can't set, you can't limit the kinds of guns we can buy or anything like that. Every normal law-abiding citizen cannot have their rights infringed. Therefore, you cannot stop people from buying an AR-15. Or just a normal handgun. Or any other kind of rifle or anything. So instead, what we should do, instead of taking the time to turn all of these things into political talking points instead of going to the funeral ceremonies for the events like Beto O'Rourke and making a big political not even politically just throwing a temper tantrum at the place as a creep instead of doing those kinds of things what we should be doing is coming to agreements like okay until we can come to an agreement on the gun rights thing how about we just arm the teachers so that they can defend school children against killers and school shooters and all kinds of other dangers? And then maybe people will see when school shootings go down after that, oh, hey, this allowing people to utilize their rights works. And then after that, the thing that we should do is work on the mental health aspect of this because... 
anyone who actually studies these cases and actually knows the facts about these cases and knows that all these mass shooters, school shooters, they're mentally ill. These people are suffering. They need help. They don't need antidepressants. Those things have been clinically proven to actually increase aggressive and violent tendencies. They, we just need to work on, one, destigmatizing mental health problems, especially for guys, because I know that's hard. I can do, I'm probably going to do another episode on that, maybe later, not the next one, but at one point I will definitely go more in depth about that, because even, like, even me, I'm not the most masculine guy, but, like, me- talking about mental health and things is, and stress is difficult for me, and I don't even have, like, b- any big mental health issues, so the people that are really suffering, I don't, I have no clue how they must feel, because men, we have a pride that makes it difficult for us. I mean, not all men, obviously, but most men, I feel, have a pride that makes it difficult for us to talk about this the same way that women do. So it's 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 different. It's a lot more difficult. And it's needs. I feel like it definitely needs to be just work. That's something we need to work on. That's another thing that, like, we need to work together on, despite our political persuasion our ideas about things. We have to work on mental health, men's mental health, especially, because that is something that we are severely lacking in, and it is causing these problems like mass shooters, school shooters, and that 53% suicide rate. Over 20,000 people shooting themselves every year in the most advanced country in the world. Like, there's something wrong there. There's something off. America is the greatest country on the planet. Like, that's not even subjective. That's objective. Speaking from pretty much every possible poll you could take, America is number one in the world right now. Like, there's very little we're not the best at. And where we're falling behind, we can pick back up. But we just have to work together instead of being so deeply politically polarized. That's one of the reasons I don't like saying like stuff like, oh yeah, those damn leftists or anything. Because it's like, what's the point? We already have enough political division. I may not agree with your idea, but, like, I mean, and sometimes I do kind of say, like, oh, those darn leftists, those libs, but, like, I'm sure you, all the libs out there are like, oh, yeah, those darn conservatives, baby lovers, Christians, screw them. Like, I mean, that's going to happen. But in the end, on big issues, like people being killed, all these people committing suicide. We have to work together on that. If we can prescribe less of those antidepressants, if we can lower the depression rates, lower the suicide rates, if we can help disaffected youth, disaffected young men especially, get the help that they need, help them get on their feet, give them a job, give them a trade, they'll work as a plumber or something, maybe if they don't have like good education, let them do let them do a trade. Trades are good. We need trades. Trades are lacking in our world because we have been focusing so much on, like, you're not successful unless you go to college, yada, yada, yada. So we need a lot of people to do trades. Men are good at that. Not to say that women can't be plumbers, but I'm saying men are good at the physical labor thing. Men generally are better suited for that. We can get these people to become productive members of society if we help them, but it has to be an effort and it has to be a concerted group effort. The end result of this should be that in our country, 
nobody is ever driven to do anything so crazy as to hurt a huge group of people than themselves or anything like that. Whether it's with a gun or not. Because we can't touch the guns. That is a right given to us in the Constitution. It's closed. Done deal. You can't change anything that we have there. You can't take away guns. You can't limit the amount of guns we can buy. You can't limit the kinds of guns we can buy. All we can do is make sure that we can live in a society where the people who need help can get it. The people who are defenseless can be defended. And the government does not infringe upon the people's sacred rights. Well, that's my rant for today. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, That was actually a longer one than I was originally expecting, but I think it was pretty good. Next week, we'll be going on to the topic of the transgender movement and gender ideology. Definitely going to get canceled after that one. And on that note, I want to congratulate my role model and a fellow grill enthusiast, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire, for shutting down the freaky Vanderbilt transgender minor clinic. Huge win for kids everywhere. SBG for life. Remember, you can always contact me at teenagelatinoconservative at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, teenagelatinoconservative at gmail.com. Always keep asking questions, and I will see you guys later. TLC, out.